I'm here today with Mike Barrel. Um, and Mike, uh, thanks for taking time. I know you're you're busy. You just we were just talking. You have three trips before you even get to Hilton Head, which is next week. So <laughs> thank you for taking yeah. a few minutes. Thanks a lot. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so your your presentation um, during the PTR symposium is um, the nine questions, nine things you should know about every child you teach. Um, can you give us a little teaser uh, about about your presentation? Well, I mean, most of the stuff I end up talking about now because uh, it is about um, about children as opposed to talking about tennis. So you won't go to many presentations with me where I talk about forehands and backhands. Most of the stuff we're trying to do um, is to create a better awareness and understanding of who the kids are you teach and how they learn so you can be more effective teachers. So the nine questions go everything from age, which might sound really obvious, through to things like birth order, um, you know, which order you are in the family, and how those kind of things shape our personality. And then once we understand how people's personalities have been shaped a little bit, how we can go about teaching them more effectively. Oh my goodness. Um, how, how are you going to fit that into an hour? No. <laughs> yeah, well, like with a lot of things, it's kind of, you know, here are the basics, and this is a kind of framework you can use. And of course, with everything, we're all individuals, so it's not going to be a question of, um, you know, like, this is going to tell you exactly who this person is, save the rest of your coaching career and, you know, make you a genius at identifying every tiny detail about somebody. But it's just giving people a basic framework that says, okay, well, these are the kind of questions you really know. Um, it, and, and that's a starting point. If you like, it's, it's little flags that it will raise and says, okay, well, this flag will make me think that it might be like this or it's more likely to be like this. Mm -hmm. This flag might mean it's more likely to be like that. And that just gives me a starting point and then I can work things out. And now, how did you get to sort of, how did you arrive at, 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 at this topic? Be, I mean, was it just through all your, you know, your years of, of working with kids and seeing the different ways they learn or how you reach them? Or how, how did you get to here? Well, I mean, obviously tennis is an issue with, with retaining people and keeping people, like most sports do. And one of the things we, we started to look a lot at was, you know, what makes a kid stay in tennis? What would make a kid more interested in playing more tennis, which is another key question. Um, and from that, it becomes, well, first of all, if you really want to understand what you need to deliver, you need to understand who the person is you're delivering to and what they want and what their needs are. And that took us into other personality traits and it took us into the gender issue with the boys and girls thing and then you know every single time you open one of these doors it's like three more doors behind it it's like okay well I open that one and you know like we had that conversation in New York after the women's conference about okay we've kind of opened this but that just you know we left the women's conference saying um we now have we now um know the questions but we don't necessarily know the answers right right exactly um that that was a really important conversation there and um so speaking of you you have the girls tennis network and there's going to be a, a workshop and a clinician training there in hilton head um yeah can you tell us a little bit about that and what what the girls tennis network is, is doing well well first of all the the girls tennis network was developed because we a group of coaches realized that we weren't very good at teaching girls now, those coaches are male coaches and female coaches. Right. It's not, it's not, the Girls Tennis Network is not about 
more female coaches. It's about teaching young girls better. And that's quite an important distinction. Yes. People often put the two together. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's that thing of, well, you know, I need to know more about teaching girls. What, what information do we need to know? What's relevant to me? So it doesn't matter whether you teach high school or you teach, you know, U10 or you, whatever level you teach. We wanted to say, okay, well, are there some key factors that everybody should understand that, again, it's about flags that might be more important for me to understand if I'm teaching girls in, in a mixed gender group and a group and a, a single gender group um, versus, um, you know, teaching boys or, you know, you know in, in many ways it's one of those things where you go, well, if I really want to work on teaching the over 60s, there are certain things I need to know, physical and mental and mm-hmm. uh, motivation and orientation. And that's kind of where Girls Tennis Network was born. It was this idea of, we just want to create a network of people who have made a commitment to try and create a better learning environment for girls. Oh. And it's a job and it's a job for everybody, you know, it's a job for you know, I'm a father as well, of a daughter, and it's a job for all of us to have a better understanding of the people um, that we're working with. I, I love the phrase a better learning environment. Um, you know, and it speaks to what your presentation is too. So a better learning environment for children, but then a better learning environment specifically for girls. So like you said, you open one door and there's three behind it. So it's like, you know, how do we, you start here and then you get a little bit more specific because we're identifying a, a need. <laughs> yeah, and, and that's where, that's where you know, at the ITF conference I presented on birth order, which sounds like a really strange one. <laughs> but we start, when we opened the girls' door, we found out, well, hold on a minute, that's, that's, again, that's almost being sexist in a way that's saying all girls are like this. And we know that all girls are not like that. <laughs> so, you know, we, we, it can't be a one-size-all-fits hat. It has to say... Right. Okay. Um, what are the what are the other factors we need to know that go along with gender that mm-hmm. might give us legs to start teaching? And so, you know, the birth order thing says a lot about well, if you're a first girl, or if you're um, the second child in the family with an older brother, second child in the family with an older sister, how do those things affect and influence your personality and what you need from sport? And it's no coincidence that you know at the end of the French Open when we did our study. 43 out of the top 100 women were first child. Really? And 31 were the second child with an older brother. Because if you read into the personality traits that are commonly associated with first child and commonly associated with a second, basically first girl, you're still first girl, um, because you're the first girl in the family, as, in other words, you have older brothers. Right. Most of the top women in the world fit into that category because... Wow. Of the of the things that it, it it drives you towards. That's fascinating. That that really that really is. Um, that is very. I'd, I'd love to hear well, that if, presentation. If you talk to a group of parents straight away, those parents will say to you, "Oh my, my these kids are different." You know, we were out to dinner the other night, and there was people we ha- we haven't seen for a long time sat across the table, telling us how different their two sons were, for example, and. When they started talking, when you understand birth order and personality traits, their sons were totally stereotypical of a first child and a second child. Wow. Now, I don't, I don't know a whole lot about this, but I have two nieces. One is almost five and the other is almost three. And the uh, almost five-year-old, she is, you know, she is the in charge. She is the one saying, we're going to go, di- we're going to do this right now. And we're going to go and you're going to come play with me outside, Aunt Jenny. And we're going to go do this. And. And then my, my little younger niece is kind of just chill and just kind of 
you know, so I don't know where that fits in with all of that, but <laughs> pretty much exactly. You know, they're, um, they're totally different. Not, the second yeah. one's not normally so chilled, but the second one will will. I mean, girls generally, you know, again, we're generalizing a bit, but kind of like being sisters, but like, but hate the comparison. Mm-hmm. You know, so if you hate the comparison, what happens? The first child normally copies their parents. Mm-hmm. The first girl normally copies their father, particularly because you know there's a phrase "daddy's girl," but there's no phrase "mummy's girl." It's kind of like there's that crossover gender thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a lot of personality traits that the first girl gets from their father, and then once you get down into second girl, you'll get into things like, "Well, hold on a minute, I am not unique in the family. I'm the second girl, so I need to find ways to compete and stand out, so that I'm getting." Because now I'm competing for attention with my parents, as opposed to the first child came along, didn't need to compete for right. attention with the parents. Right. Wow. I, I'm, I'm, There's a lot of other things behind it. A lot. Yeah, more yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of I'm thinking about a lot of things at the moment. That that is. Uh, yeah, I would love to continue this conversation, but we have more time. <laughs> but uh, now, what, when do you get into Hilton Head? <laughs> I'm getting in Monday if the snow clears here. Okay. Um, okay. Yeah, but I've got like a, I've got a, a kind of trip around the US to, to contend with first. But uh, yeah, I get in Monday and I'm staying the whole week until actually don't leave until Sunday. So oh, it's probably my longest trip to Hilton Head for a long time. Wow, that's excellent. Now, you've been going to, to the symposium and presenting at the symposium and partnering with the PTR for, for uh, a, good, a good amount of time. Um, what, what are your thoughts? What makes the symposium special to you? Well, for me, it, it's one of those things that um, uh, I have been, I think the first presentation I gave was, what, 2005, so that was like 12 years ago. But I've actually been going to symposium for, since I was 19 and I'm coming up to 50. So it's kind of um, not every year, but, you know, it, it's one of those things as a 19-year-old coach when you arrive there, it had a kind of special sort of meaning to me. Um, and it was a way of connecting and learning new information and um, being around lots of friends and people that I've known for a very, very, very long time. So, um, you know, we used to own a house just off the island. That's how much it meant for us for a while. But um yeah, symposium is one of those things that um, it's a great way of connecting with people. It's a great way of being around people you know. Um, obviously, we use we we've already I've already flagged all the presentations that I'm going to go see and make sure I've, I've organised my diary because I always find the one thing for a symposium is it's the, the danger is you can you can sit down that evening with people and realise you missed the best bits. Right. So you have to kind of map your week. You have to kind of know right. I really want to see this one, this one, this one, and I think. There's also this idea of mapping your um, your needs for when you get back to the marketplace. Because it's very easy to go and see a presentation that really doesn't, you know, it's interesting, but it doesn't help you with your job. Um, but this year as well, we're doing a breakout on Thursday evening for all the coaches working in junior tennis. So um, on, on Thursday, uh, I think it's 5.30 on Thursday, we just have a, a meetup in the bar for people to kind of discuss what have you seen this week? How is it relevant to your job? And um, and you know what what are the highlights? What are the questions? Um, that that idea. And that's one of the things we're going to try and do a little bit more. And um, PTR asked me if I would do this for them this year as a, an experiment, and then maybe in future it might be done a bit more. Oh, I think that's that's a fantastic idea. I definitely uh, don't want to miss it. Um, <laughs> uh, do you have Do you have any other advice for maybe first time attendees um, or or anything else you want to say just ahead of the week? <laughs> um, just uh, the, the thing is, don't forget, don't forget there's a whole social scene at Symposium as well. 
So we all kind of ask a few people where everybody's going because it's it's like an amoeba for the evening. Everyone kind of shifts in one direction or another. The good news is there's only three places to go, so that's a, <laughs> that's a kind of good thing. Um, but I think just be that person that introduces yourself to everybody, um, and you'll very quickly realise that um, everyone's pretty friendly. Everyone really wants to um, uh, meet new people. It's a big networking experience, um, and uh, yeah, I, I really like the. I suppose it's moved a couple of times to different locations. It's never quite the same. So I think I really like the fact that it is where it is, and um, you're not kind of trapped, but you're kind of in a place where everyone's going to be in the same place. So it's not like going to a conference in New York where you'll see people during the day, but everyone else disappears for the rest of the time. Right. It's kind of like a, a week of actually bumping into the same people, talking, reconnecting, and doing those kind of. Oh, that's that's it's special in that way. Yeah, it is special in that way. I I, com I completely agree. Um, uh, do you do you want to share with us any of those presentations that you've flagged that you don't want to miss this year, or, or no? You don't have to share that. I flagged yours actually. <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, I've already seen it. I flagged yours. Yeah. <laughs> I flagged some of the next generation stuff because obviously that's some of the things that the spaces in which I'm working on. Mm -hmm. um, I can't remember all of them. I have a lot of different things, other things to do with connecting with people from around the world who obviously have come into the same point. So I've got a meeting, a week that's kind of half meetings and half symposium, but um, yeah, we'll be there the whole time. So, um, oh. and we always, we always, I, I always feel like it's important for anybody that presents a symposium to be present, to be around, not to present and go hide in your room. You know, that's <laughs> like you have to be around. I think, I think that is, that is a huge statement and I, I appreciate you saying that. Um, well, Mike, again, thank you so much for, for your time. I feel like I could sit and talk to you for, for the rest of the day, but I know I know that you are you have things to well, respond to. Snow, so I think I probably will be here for the rest <laughs> of the day. So. <laughs> well, thank you again for, for coming on this morning. I really appreciate it, and I, I look forward to, to catching up with you um, and Susan uh, in, in New York. So I mean, New York, Hilton Head. So, where am I going to be? Where are you going to be? <laughs> so, right now, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Jenny. All right, thank you. I'll see you soon. All right. Bye. Thanks.